a submissive mind. Do you remember the way that he urged his people in, in the first part of the chapter 2 there to have the mind of Christ? And we talked about that, who, who gave up himself, who emptied himself to become man because of the love that he has for us and in obedience to the Father. And that's the kind of mind, if you would, that he stressed that we are to have. We are to be submissive, first of all, to the Lord Jesus Christ because he is our prime and, and ultimate example of what we're supposed to be like. We're not supposed to emulate anybody, any person, because people will let us down. There's only been one man that has not let us down who will never let us down, and of course that's Jesus. But... But other, you know, we are to emulate Jesus Christ in his life and in his submission and in his sacrifice and in, in everything that, that, we, that we say. Um, we talked about last week, you know, it says, do, do, you know, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. We talked about how, you know, that's this generation, folks. If, if we, you know, hopefully the Lord's going to come back real soon and we'll know that, you know, all things will be set straight, all things will be new, and we'll be able to, to, to meet our Savior face to face, hopefully sooner than later. But while we are here, we are to be Christ-like. We talked about justification sanctification, regeneration last week, that we are justified once and for all, that once we are saved, once we are justified, then that justification is, is eternal. We talked about sanctification. Sanctification is that process, that journey that we take. We, take, we, we talked about justification being all of God through the Holy Spirit. We talked about sanctification being 100% God and 100% us. That we, that it's that life that we live, that we go through this thing prompted by God and prompted by the Holy Spirit to do good things, to grow in faith, to grow in trust, and to grow in, in, in Christ. And without Him, we are, we are nothing. We, we, we can't do anything. We talked about motives and people, you know, why we do certain things. Uh, we are to do all things for the glory of God. We're not supposed to let the right hand know what the left hand is doing in, in some cases because if we do it to seek or, or if, we, if we seek the approval of men, of, of man, and we get it, that's our reward. But if we seek the approval of God and get it, that's the reward. And that's the one that we should all be striving for, not to, not to impress our neighbor or impress our people, but we are to live as becomes followers of Christ. Because if we don't, then, then we are giving a, we're giving a bad, bad uh, um, example. And I'm going to break here for a moment because Tom's giving me all those dirty looks over here and reminds you all <laughs> that, this is, that this is the last week the last week that we are to turn these in. If you have not done so already, please pick one up, uh, make your contribution, and then turn it into the collection uh, during the service. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> okay. So, so if we look at then 
we, we've, you know, we've looked at Paul throughout, throughout this book as an optimistic prisoner. We talked about how he is, a, he is still a prisoner, but there's a feeling that we get from reading the words here that he does not expected, expect to be put to death at this point. That, this is, that, that he expects to be released, uh, but he's not released yet. He's still a prisoner. Epaphroditus, this guy, brought him an offering, an offering from the church in Philippi. Church in Philippi, mainly uh, Romans, uh, Gentiles, uh, but, they, but Paul spent some time there and, and got the church together, got it started, and, and, uh, and then left, of course. But the, Philipp the Philippians sent him this gift. We don't know what the gift was, of course. Uh, it's not listed, but whatever it was Paul, was, Paul was just grateful for it. This letter is in response to him, to, to, that, to that gift. So uh, Epaphroditus was a, uh, a Gentile. Uh, we, we know that. His, his name, Epaphroditus, here is means, in, in English, it means lovely. And I don't know how a guy is called lovely, but okay. <laughs> but that is it. And he was a lovely person, as we'll see some tonight, or today, as, as he's feeling for this. Um, we wanna, we're going to talk a little bit, too, about, about Timothy and uh, just introduce you to, to a more uh, personal relationship or personal uh, uh, knowledge of, of these two men. But Paul was the, the optimistic, if you would, prisoner and, 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 and joyful. We, we see joyful over and over in here. But in this passage, we see that Paul was an administrator, a very thoughtful administrator. Even from his prison in Rome, he is taking care of the spiritual needs of the people back in Philippi. And, and we, we see how he does this in, in these things. In verses 19 through 24, uh, and that's the ones we'll look at first, of course, is that, that you know, Paul is concentrating on the submissive mind that all the Christians must have to do God's work. Um, these two men are ordinary people, Timothy and, and Epaphroditus. They weren't apostles. They weren't uh, spectacular miracle workers. They were, they, were just, uh, they were just ordinary people called by God, and that made them extraordinary. And, and you know, he, so we, we look at this and, and uh, as, as, as examples, again, for us, not that we're following men, but these two men had these had some some pretty good examples in their life. So, if I could get somebody to read verses 19 through 24 for us to begin with, I would appreciate it. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Okay. So who is this Timothy? Well, we first meet Timothy in chapter 16 of Acts. In Acts 16. It was on Paul's... Uh, 
second, I think, second missionary journey. But chapter 16, verses 1 and 2 says this, and I'll just read it to you. Paul came also to Derby and Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, and his father was a Greek. He was well spoken by, uh, by the brothers at Lystrum and Iconium. Timothy's mother was, was Jewish. His father was Greek. He was obviously being raised Greek because he was not yet circumcised. And as a Jewish baby, as a Jewish child, he would have had to have been circumcised on the eighth day. But he was not yet circumcised, but he was, he was Greek and, and, and Jew at the same time. Okay? But he was well thought of. Somewhere in that line, he had become, or, or the, the, the Jewish mother had become a believer. And Paul was, and, and Timothy uh, was obviously a believer also. Because again, she was in, he was influenced by his, by his mother. Now, he was a disciple. Paul came to them, didn't take him with him right away, but gave him the, the tools necessary to grow and, and to become a, a, another disciple. He goes back, and then, Paul, and then Timothy does accompany him on, on his journeys. But he is, so Timothy is there with him now. Um, it was, you know, he was, as I said, the son of a Jewish mother and a Gentile father. But Paul, writing to him later on and referring back to Timothy, referred to him as his dearly beloved son in the faith. So there was a bond between Paul and Timothy. Timothy was, was youngster in that, in that case, and when he, when he writes, when Paul writes his two letters to Timothy... He refers to him and, and, and talks about his youth and talks about his, you know, uh, his, his, his role in the world. It was thought that, that, that Paul is somehow preparing Timothy to take his place. And, you know, we should all look for our replacements in this world. You know, we should, we, we should uh, disciple someone. We should, you know, get someone to follow us. Not, not to follow us per se, but, but who will come later on and, and take our place basically in, 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 in promoting the faith and in promoting the, uh, the church. So, but he, but he is, it, it, the relationship is, is very, very uh, strong there between Paul and Timothy. Um, in, in Timothy's experience, you know, he was, he, he, Paul didn't take him with him when he first met him at Lystra, uh, but he came back and, and got him, as I said. Timothy had to learn things to get ready to go with Paul, and he did, and he did well. Uh, looking at Timothy, we learn that the submissive mind is not something that, that's, that's automatic. I've often thought, boy, if, you know, if, if we as Christians could be changed Outside, as we are inside, we wouldn't have to send out evangelists because everybody could see it. But that's not the case. We are changed inside. We, are, we, are, we become new creatures on the inside, but the new creature and the old creature are constantly tugging at each other, right? I mean, am I the only one who's had that experience? <laughs> 
So at any rate, so this is, this is the thing. We, we are faced every day. This is what they call, this is as we talked about last week, our sanctification, our struggle throughout daily living and walking and walking with Christ. So Timothy had to develop and cultivate that mind of Christ just like we have to, just like we should be, should be doing. Um, it was not natural to Timothy, as it's not natural to us, to become a servant. Uh, but as he walked with God and followed Paul, he became the kind of servant that Paul could trust and, and lean on um, and, and, and that God could bless. It took time, but it was obviously worth it. Timothy had a, had a, a servant's mind, and we, can, we see that in there. Like Paul, he was concerned about the people. We see there that, that, you know, Paul is saying, I hope to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. All right. The church in, in Rome had hundreds of people, but none like Timothy. None who would step up and do the work of God like Timothy would. So, you know, I have no one like him. You will be genuine, uh, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare? Timothy is concerned about the people in Philippi. He's concerned about the ones who, you know, because, because basically I would, I would imagine because Paul is. You know, they seek their own, the others seek their own interests, not those of Jesus. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, that's, that's him to Paul, of course, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. Paul knows that the people in Philippi are wondering what's going to happen. Paul has this insight that he's going to be freed of this, but he's not sure, as we said earlier. So as soon as he finds out something, he's going to send Timothy there to tell the people and, and therefore relieve their concerns. And, uh, and then, then he adds this, and this is, this is one of the clues that we have that he thinks he's going to be okay. Uh, and I trust that the Lord, that, uh, that shortly I myself will come also. So again, he's, you know, he's thinking that he's going to be able to, to get out of it and, and, uh, and, and report back to the, to the Philippians. Okay. Um, Timothy wasn't interested in supporting any party or any divisive claim in, in Philippi. We talked a couple of weeks ago how there was, seemed to have been some discord of some type in the church. And, and Paul is, is, again, talking or trying to make sure that the people there understand. That's why his emphasis was on that idea of support and submissive to one another, to, to, to other people there. Um, and, and, you know, and again, the, the, the unity is, is, is what, you know, is again what Paul is trying to, to stress in, in Philippi. That's why he's sending Timothy there. Um, we don't know how old Timothy was. We think he was pretty young uh, as, as far as, as compared to Paul because Paul continuously refers to him as his beloved son. Um, we don't know... Uh, we don't know the, the, 
the extent to which the division was at Philippi, we know that when Paul was in need, they, they came together and sent, sent this gift for him. So uh, it, it's, it's, you know, but he says not, uh, but he's seeking again the unity of the church there. Not everybody in Rome was, was faithful to the cause because there were some who, who were seeking or did seek their own, their own interest um, and, was, you know, uh, and would not do what, do what the gospel called him to do. But we knew that, Tim, that Timothy was, was very interested in, in those people. Timothy was chosen by, to be Paul's replacement, as I said. He, he, there's indication that he's trying to teach him, and the two letters to, Paul, to Timothy uh, sort of confirm that. Um, this, is, this is something that we, that we want to look. I want to take a minute to look at, 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 at in the second letter of Timothy and read, that, read a section in there, and I'll read it to you. I'll read it if you don't mind. It's, a, it's rather long. This was supposed to be Paul's last letter that he wrote. And it's to Timothy. Paul is still, in, is still not still in prison, but in prison again in Rome, waiting to, be, waiting to be executed. And in this case, you know, unlike the, unlike the Philippian letter, we see a difference in his, in his, in his words and in his attitude, I guess, not, or, or in his, in his uh, psyche, uh, I suppose. Uh, but 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 11, if you haven't had a chance to read it, or if you haven't read it, you know, but Paul is writing to Timothy. And he says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his, appearance, by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For time is coming when people would not endure sound teaching, but having itchy ears, itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to truth and wander into myths. When I read that, it reminded me of my cousin. I had a cousin, we just named him, we just called him Brother. Brother was a rounder. You know what a rounder is? I mean, he was a renegade. He was, uh, he was, uh, only person I knew that ended up in jail twice in the same night. <laughs> he got out, he went back, and then he went back to jail. <laughs> he called my dad one time. He called my dad one time and asked him to, you know, the first time and asked him to bail him out. My dad felt guilty, or not guilty. My dad felt compassion, so he went down and bailed him out. And about two or three hours later, he called him again and asked him to bail him out again. My dad said, nope. <laughs> you made your bed, you're going to sleep in it. Well, anyway, brother was late in life when he got married. And he married a, a nice, wonderful lady. I mean, she was, a, she was, a, she was just the right fit for him. But he was telling me that he went to this doctor and the doctor told him that he had to quit drinking. He says, well, you know, you're going to kill yourself if you drink anymore. And I said, brother, what are you going to do? He said, well, I'm going to find another doctor. 
That's true. That's true. So, so what Paul is saying here is that, that this attitude, and this is going to be the attitude that they're going to have, that people are going to have, you know, at this time, that they're going to have itching ears, that they don't want to hear the Word of God. Instead, they're going to look for teachers who will teach them whatever it is they want to hear, not whatever it is that they, that they want or need. And, and this, is what, this is what Paul is saying to Timothy. So, you know, he says, you turn away from the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. You remember, he's writing to Timothy. Uh, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. We talked about that drink offering last week. Do you remember what that drink offering was? It was the final part of the sacrifice, the pouring out of the, the wine onto the, onto the altar. It was the ending of the, the sacrifice. So this is, this is Paul saying, I have already been poured out. For me, it's beginning to be over. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Again, this is Paul talking. You see the difference in the, in the joyous message that he had for the Philippians and this particular message that he has for this? It's not a, it's not a woe is me type of message. It's a message of faith that he knows what's coming, and yet during this time, he still has that fatherly, uh, compassionate love of Timothy and trying to strengthen Timothy in, in Paul's last days. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also all who have loved his appearing. And then he goes on and just adds a, a personal note there at the, at the end. He says, do your best to come to me, for Damas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Uh, Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to my ministry. So again, this is the, the great administrator that we see trying to make sure that while he is facing his own, his, his death, he's facing his demise, that he's preparing Timothy to carry on the work of, of, of Christ. And he's, you know, and, and this is, this is, you know, what he's saying in these, in these words. He knows he's going to die. He knows that his influence on Timothy is, is, is there, but he prepares Timothy for the next step in Timothy's life. Um, even when he's to be executed, his main goal is to teach Timothy to preach the word, be ready, reprove, rebuke, and exhort, but be patient in doing so. Um, Always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Always the teacher and always the father figure. 
And this is Paul. This is how he, this is how he lived his life after, after his conversion. This is how he, he defined his Christian life. And this is how he is ending his life in the same way that he lived it. There was no, you know, there, there's none of the, as I said, the woe is me, the, the pity, the self-pity, or, or anything else. He is a remarkable soldier of God. And, and you know, he, he, knows what's, he knows what's going on. This is not, you know, this is not the, the same way. We, we interject this because he, this is what he thinks of, of Timothy. And this is who Timothy is. Timothy is worthy of his, of his concern. Any questions or anything, any observations, any thoughts on that? Anybody? We thought about how we still like to have our ears tickled. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yeah. There's, there, you know, what is it they say in, in you know, nothing new under the earth, under the sun? Mm-hmm. You know, that, that we do. But we have to be careful and, you know, if, and, and, make sure if we hear something that we're not sure of what do we do go back to scripture go back to scripture that's our that's our that's our standard if you would it, it's it's the word of god that's that's, that's what we have and and of course prayer and, and supplication to the holy spirit any other any other thoughts questions Oh, Judy, I know you have something. Nothing. <laughs> you got nothing. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> All right, then let's go on then and, and read, if you would, 25 through, through 30. Someone read that for us, if you would. Anybody? So now we go to Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus is, as we said, is Greek. You know, it must have been really interesting to have the three of them together. There was Paul, Jew, Jewish, all the way. There was Timothy, half and half. And there was Epaphroditus, all Gentile. So Epaphroditus was, was from Philippi. When he came to, to Rome to bring the, the, the gift, um, we, he, you know, he, he suffered there, and, and we'll, we'll talk about that. I've already told you that his name means, means lovely, and he seems to have been, just from this description of Paul's, quite a lovely person, quite a loving person. We don't really know a lot about him after this. Um, he, was, he was a Gentile. And he was a spiritual leader, maybe an elder at the, at the church in Philippi. Uh, but they sent him there with this. They, they, they 
trusted him to go and, and, you know, and, and be uh, their messenger to Paul. Uh, he was commissioned to carry that, that missionary offering and, and uh, uh, to assist and to attend to Paul's needs as best he could. Now, you remember when they sent him, they had no idea of what was going on in Rome. It, we didn't have phones that we could pick up and talk to somebody in Rome to find out the situation there. Or we didn't have the internet to go check on his trial, you know, or, or anything else. It would take several months uh, to, to find out what was going on. People in Philippi were wondering about this, and then, you know, so they, they get this gift, and then they sent Epaphroditus in there to bring it to him, and then, you know, uh, to come back and let them, let them know what it was all about. But while Epaphroditus was doing this, he became dangerously, obviously, dangerously ill. And the people in Philippi had heard about it. Uh, Epaphroditus yearns to return to that church or to the church, to Philippi, in order to calm their fears about him because they heard, of course, that he was dangerously ill. Um, and we see that, you know, uh, for he, is, uh, he has been longing for you and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Well, you know, I mean, that's like, that's like us sending somebody to somewhere and, and hearing that he's, you know, he's been hospitalized or he's been, you know, in, in an accident or something. Our first reaction is, you know, how is he doing? What's he doing? I, we, we, you know, pray for him and so on and so forth, you know. But God had mercy on him, not only on him, but on me also, on Paul also, because he, he, he allowed Epaphroditus to live and to make the trip, to finish the trip to Rome where Paul was, and, and uh, <clears throat> lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow, says Paul. You know, I am more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again. What is, well, let me go on with this then and just, just emphasize this. Um, that you may see him again, and that I may be less anxious, because Paul is concerned about the feelings of the people in, in Philippi. This, again, is a pastoral, is a pastor, a pastoral feeling. A pastor feels for his people, for his, for his flock. And then he says, So receive him, Epaphroditus, in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. This is high praise for Epaphroditus. But he's sending a word or he's sending Epaphroditus back with Timothy to show the people that he is that he's okay. Or to tell the people to give the report that he's okay. Just not only not only Paul, but also Epaphroditus. So again we see Paul being concerned for the people there and in a, in a loving way, he, uh, he, you know, he's, he's, he's returning them, even though, even though it's going to bring hardship on Paul. It's going to take away from Paul's fellowship to have Timothy and Epaphroditus both gone, both away from him. But it's something that Paul is willing to sacrifice for the people of Philippi. And again, this is just, you know, we see... The, the depth of, of Paul's love and concern here and, and what he is, you know, and how he, how he is feeling. Uh, Epaphroditus 
was concerned about his fellow Christians in Philippi and wanted them to know that, that, that he was okay. Um, he and Paul may have had a relationship, may have had a, you know, may, they, there may have been more than just a, uh, a pastor congregate member there or, or whatever, but for some reason he was chosen and he went willingly to, to Rome when he, when he took the gift. Again, we see this, this Christian fellowship that we, <clears throat> that, that, that he and Paul may have, you know, may have had there. Paul sends him back to Philippi, asks him to give them a warm welcome. Uh, and in all probability, Epaphroditus took this letter back to the Philippians so, they could, so he could read it, so they could read it. Um, he was, he was, Epaphroditus was, was blessed. And, and if we see that in, in if we look at, at, um, at verse 28, he said, I am more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice of seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor, joy and honor such men. For he nearly died and so on and so forth. <clears throat> so he, he refers to him as a fellow worker or a fellow soldier, um, a fellow believer, and, uh, and so on and so forth. So Epaphroditus was more than just a, a messenger. Um, again, Epaphroditus wanted to go back to Philippi, and that's natural. He was from there. He wanted to go back home. And so Paul, Paul sent him, even though, as I said, Timothy and Epaphroditus were a, a, a source of encouragement to Paul, he still feels like that he's, that he's going, to be, going to be okay. And he's going to hopefully use Timothy and, and Epaphroditus as a messenger back to them. I'm sure that in those days there was, there was all kind of stuff that he had to go through once he was acquitted, once he went to, once, once he was, the, the, uh, the verdict came down. So he would send them, he would send them on to them to let them know that, uh, that he's okay, and then, and then he would come. Um, but this was Epaphroditus, and we see two, you know, two men of faith here uh, from different backgrounds, but one, one, uniting factor and that's their faith and and again that's how that's how we as christians we we you know we all have and i'm, and I'm sure god looks down and just kind of shakes his head sometimes when he sees the baptists and the presbyterians and the, and the, you know and, and you know and, and all of the different degrees down there but the one thing that's common in common that, that unites us all is believers in christ and as, as we believe in Christ, then that's the only factor that we're concerned about. You know, we, we, can, we can argue about the method of baptism. We can argue about how many sacraments there are. We can argue about all these different things. But we can't argue that Christ is our Savior. And that's, that's, the, that's the key. That everything else is, is, is uh, fluff. Judy. Yes. So that's where he met Epaphroditus. Yes. So supposedly, yeah. I mean, from from inference, that's what we know. That's what we think. You know, that, that that's there. Okay. So, um, 
anyway, the, the, you know, he's writing this back to, back to them, and, and he's making the sacrifice for God's people. And this is what we should do as examples of, of this lesson. You know, we should be able to sacrifice. We should be willing to, to go. We should be willing to give. We should be willing to do all of these things for other people and then not let anybody else know about it. And that's sometimes a, that's sometimes a problem for, for some of us. Um, he sacrifices, Paul sacrifices for God's people and shines as an example for what we should do for others. He is, is shown to be here in this, in this passage, wise, considerate, unselfish, thoughtful administrator as he directs the affairs of his extended spiritual domain. That's copied. That's not original. <laughs> any questions or any comments on this or anything else? We, we're uh, ready to go into chapter 3 next week and, and uh, see, what, see what God has for us there. Again, these are, these are, are real men. Real men. Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus. They were just like we were. We are. And, and, and that's the way we should view God. That's the way we should view Christ. We should do all that we can and be focused, be single-minded as Paul was. Questions? Comments? Absolutely. Absolutely. God pours into us all of the, the gifts of the Spirit. We have His presence. We have His grace. We have His mercy. And it shouldn't stop with us. We should use it, use ourselves as a conduit to bring that to someone else. Because that's what God calls us to do be his witness. Anything else? Any other comments, questions, observations, quandrums? You know, Clarence, talking about this particular year, the denial of truth, that's already present in a lot of mainline churches today. Absolutely. I was talking to a pastor, that used to be a pastor in mainline denomination, he, he told me that Joe Yes, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And we should pray for those people. We should pray for them on a, you know, because they know enough not to grasp the truth, you know, and, and their influence of, of someone else, you know. But it's, it's, you know, we just, and we see it all over now. We read that, you know, in the, in the end times or in, the, in the, the things where the good will be bad and bad will be good. And, and yeah, yeah, you know, the word of God. You know, how many times do we, do we see now on, on TV or movies or anything else, a family 
saying grace over their meals? Never. How many times do we hear the name of, of Jesus mentioned unless it's a swear word, you know, or uh, of God venerated? Because that's that good, the good that is God and Jesus has been made bad to the common, to, to, to people. And, and uh, if we use it in, in anything other than a swear word, uh, we're not good, you know, according to the eyes of the people. And that's, that's you know, we just have to keep praying for that revival, you know. We, we know it's going to come one day. Uh, let's just keep praying for it, you know. Any other questions or comments? Thanks, now. Hmm? Bruce, would you mind closing us in prayer, please, sir? Thank you. Don't forget your envelopes. I have two up here if anybody needs one. Three, actually. This is the last day for that.